artists are poor themselves because they don't nourish their crafts and we need to be serious about it because it it, it will show the tone itself the genge tone the music bit of it is beautiful uh but when it comes to some of the lyrics some of the lyrics i would be hesitant to have my kids they're listening and dancing to it music is a product it should not be gotten for free you can't walk into a supermarket and get any product off the shelves for free you have to pay for it and that's music hello and welcome to the meta podcast a podcast dedicated to bringing you live recordings from meta events covering a wide range of multidisciplinary topics converging at the intersection of innovation in the african continent in the second edition of the what's good creative ambition series we shifted our eye to the music industry where we attempted to answer two big questions number 1 Why are there so many broke artists in the music industry? Number 2. Is the music industry broke or disorganized? The reality is that a vast number of Kenyan musicians don't make much money from their craft, yet they are in it for the long haul. In this event, we sought to understand what's working, what's not working, or missing in the industry, and the best practices for making money in the digital era. We touched on copyright the role of CMOs, Gengeton, amongst other topics. The speakers included Bien Alusa, the lead vocalist of Sauti Sol, Angela Ndambuki, the regional director Sub-Saharan Africa of IFPI, and member of Kenya's famous girl band Tattoo, and John Katana, the director of the Kenya Music Copyright Society of Kenya, and also popularly known as a member of The Mushrooms. The conversation was moderated by Lee Kanyotu, who is the director of Studio Sour Sound, one of the pioneer record labels in Kenya. All right, thank you um everyone and uh thank you first uh, whole meta team for organizing this event and also Hivos for sponsoring the event. Now let's go into the crux of the matter or crooks of the matter depending on where you've come from. So I want to first talk about uh what it takes to be a successful artist. Um I was told by somebody that in the growth of being successful there's three steps. There's existence where your name is there and then you survive for some time before now you start reaping some uh benefits or some milestones uh which we start calling success. So maybe I can start with Angela Oh uh, well for me my experience was actually different uh in terms of being an artist uh, I think for us we started the, the other way around we started with the success and when we released you know the song it was a big hit because I think at that point uh, people were just appreciating the Kenyan music and the fact that it was here yeah, three girls so happy and energetic we were just cleared campus uh, ready to you know to just release some good tunes uh, started with our Tesla which was a big big hit till till um uh, to date so it it came from that big big success and then of course because of um life uh, and you know family and everything we went to survival as a group uh, and now we're just existing but we always say that never say never in terms of music can always come back and sing uh though our main uh, our lead vocalist uh, Shinde is actually still singing releasing some songs 
So that's that as an artist, uh, but we always say we can always come back. But in terms of being in the industry, um, I think it's been uh, just building on that from my uh, from my education point, having uh, you know, done my master's in IP law and, and just having to study law and just understanding that whole creative and analytical bit of it. Uh, so right now, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm the regional director of IFBI, which is the organization that represents the recording, the recorded music industry worldwide. So that means that we are actually um, just handling the recorded music, which includes both producer rights and 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 performer rights. That's the performance rights, um, and this is what I was doing also previously as the CEO of the Performance Rights Society of Kenya. Uh, now we are handling, of course, the 46 countries. So for me, it's been a growth. For this, it has been. I would say now it's been the existence to survival to now the success, if I would term it that way, uh, being that now we are I mean, a, a, an organization that is actually handling the, you know, the worldwide recording industry, which would be ideal, idealistic, you know, um, a success to, to put it that way. Uh, so, yeah, we do so much in terms of supporting the industry, content protection issues, policy issues. Uh, setting up the national groups and supporting the CMOs. And I think we'll be able to see, since we set up just last year, and this is um, you know a new office that FBI has set up uh, in Africa, so in Sub-Saharan Africa. So we'll be doing a lot of support for the industry in this region. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see some some development uh, in, in these particular industries. And I'm sure Bien will be able to mention a bit more because he is taking part in one of the of, of the, uh, you know, our focus areas of the national groups and he's going to be in charge of one. So just being able to put the artists together, the industry together and working together to achieve uh, our common goal. Wonderful. And what about you, uh, Katana? I know from Coast, uh, you started way early. How's it been for you? Going by the phases you've described, you know, the existence, survival and success, our first major hit came as our first ever recording. Jambo Buana was our first ever recording, the first time we ever entered a studio, and it became, became a universal hit. So it was a bit different, but that was for Jambo Buana, the song. But as a band, you know, we had to go through all the three phases, like we started off, and then nine years later is when we recorded uh, Jambo Buana, or eight years later, in the survival phase, we outgrew Mombasa, so we had to shift base to Nairobi. And then nine years, nine years on is when now the breakthrough came with songs like Akumu, Nyambura, Ndogondogo, you know, making us popular countrywide and regionally. And then that was followed now with, if you can call it the success phase. To me, success is, I don't know, I, I don't know how to describe it well, because to me, success is like what Diana said. I discovered them, told them, come on over, took them to a project I was the chair, the spotlight on Kenyan music, put them in a studio. Today we have Saudi Soul, but he said it. To me, that's a normal thing, and that's the success I thank God for. Elvis Nyaruri the guy who's now becoming very popular singing country music. I discovered him in the street. And that, that's what I, I measure as success, taking somebody from nowhere, putting them there and giving them the uh, wings to fly to borrow from Equity Bank. Um, success for a band is when you look back, you wanna see how many people you touched, 
how many people you enable to grow and what you leave behind. It's not about where you're going because where you're going to get is, is where you're going to get as per God's plan and if you work hard and smart. But if you hold the hands of people behind you or people who really need to be uh, supported and give them the wings to fly to make them even bigger, I, I can proudly say today, Saudi soil is more popular than mushrooms in Kenya. And it's, that's my success. So I don't know how to measure success. If that is how people measure success, then that success for them mushrooms, success from John Qatar. Wonderful. By the way, there's no right or wrong answer. All answers are valid. It's your experience. And that's what we treasure. For Saudi soul, how has it been for you? And if you can just take us to how long it basically took to achieve, in your own opinion, some success. And what was it, Bien? Uh, I think success in itself is a mirage because you're consistently chasing for a higher high. And it never stops. It's, a, it's, actually, it's something that eats into itself. Um, Saudi soul was discovered by John Katana. We were singing uh, village markets. And we used to sing Boys to Men covers. And actually, Mr. Katana was the first person to tell us, yo, go and write your own songs. You know, be who you, like, be an African version of your, be the best African version of yourself. And just from then on, he set up a very good foundation for us to be able to have a successful career because he told us from the beginning that success in the music industry is about authenticity. So this all has tried to maintain as much authenticity as possible over the years. And I think that's what has made us like achieve that level of success, so to speak. Um, but also it's a mixture of very many things. It takes a team to do it. I often say that I don't think I would have been able to go this far if I was a, a solo artist. Because when you're in a group, there's energies from all directions that are pushing in one, you know, uh, energies from everyone's like minds and hearts pushing in one direction makes the dream work. Uh, so this all is successful, but uh, if, if Kenya had better structure, which we're trying to put in now, if Kenya had better structure, if the music industry was funded, and I'm not talking about by individuals, I'm talking about the state putting some, some of, uh, putting a budget to fund the arts and making sure that the budget is allocated to the people who actually need it or to build the structures that are needed, I think we would have been further. And I also just think um, we are in between generations. So, so the soul is connecting the mushrooms with now Ben Soul, and it's a very unique role for us to have. And that in itself also is another journey of success. Uh, I'm keen to see where the future is headed for the Kenya music industry, but I definitely think we are now on survival mode because of the pandemic and because of you know all the things that have been thrown at us. But I see a very bright future. All right. So now on to look into our music. Many have said that uh, our Kenya music is not as competitive. Unfortunately, there's always this issue of comparing, uh, which we cannot run away from. And let's say, for example, exporting culture. Uh, it is said that the USA is the biggest exporter of culture uh, from their music to their language, to their movies, fashion, and so on and so forth. Uh, when you look in Africa, uh, Nigeria uh, seems to be the key nation exporting their culture. 
in terms of again their music, their movies, their language, their food, fashion, so on and so forth. Look in, into East Africa. It seems like Tanzania is again uh, a notch higher in in um, exporting culture. So I just want to hear from yourselves. Where are we in terms of exporting our culture, or is it even necessary uh, to export? Uh, our culture is our music exportable and now uh, do we have what we call quote-unquote international standards i can start with um ladies angela what are your thoughts oh, definitely i would say definitely we our music is up to you know the international standards i mean you've had great sounds uh, just here we have you know two great sounds and i'm surely you have uh, under your sleeves as a producer you have some big big music you can see this through, you know, what streams, uh, the streaming apps, you know, like Boomplay, you know, iTunes. Uh, you can see YouTube. You can see the views that are coming up. Uh, so it is all, I, I think, when, you know, they pop up their music and see millions of music coming up. Nadia's and they pay new acts coming up as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's some good sounds coming from Kenya. I think it's just a matter of time that people are able to realize also that Kenya has something to offer and this you can also see through the the investments that has come even from the international labels you've seen now universal who have come and you know signed up uh saudi soul uh sony was here previously you can see one and they want to set up here in nairobi they've just set up also um in 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 Tanzania, as you had said previously about Tanzania and their, and, and their export but music is business so yes once a business, if it's throws trade or anything else, it can be exported. So we should be able to strive and just see how we can put even proper structures to ensure that we at least also produce more of these internationally, you know, the, the best standards of music that can actually be uh, be exported and, and be, be consumed uh, by, by various people out there. We've seen it in Nigeria, and I mean, it's, it's great that Nigeria is able to you know, channel that music and South Africa, for example, Tanzania as well, through Diamond, uh, hitting the YouTube, you know, top YouTube billion mark. So, I mean, uh, we have potential for sure. We have a lot of potential as Kenya. And I, I think it's just a matter of also supporting the industry through the structures, as Bian had mentioned also earlier. Great. Uh, what are your views, Bian, about Kenyan exporting their culture, especially music? Well, I think uh, Kenya has beautiful music. Kenya has amazing diversity in culture. It's just our history with colonialism also really affects how we dissect, how we digest music. And it's given us a funny relationship with the things that we propose to be ours. There's a very strong feeling more often than not that people are not supportive enough towards the music industry. And likewise, artists mostly feel disgruntled. But I feel like all of this really, really does boil down to um, people, the people who are taking the action. Like, what are we actually, how are we working together to make sure that we can export our stuff together? How are we bringing all our talents and putting them on the table and saying, okay, I'm the best video film director in Kenya. I'm the best musician. How can we make the most amazing video in the most amazing location to be able to transport this, to, sorry, to export this art and take it to the next level, so to speak? I, I see a future where, because right now when I'm looking at all these bodies that have that are governing, you know, music. I'm seeing familiar faces there, you know. I'm seeing my dad, Katana, in one in, in MCSK. MCSK has for a long time had the worst name in the world. So he's sanitizing that place and trying to bring some sanity there too. 
Uh, I'm seeing Angela in IFPI, and I'm seeing familiar faces, musicians who actually know the plight of other musicians, taking up the roles to build a, a, a path and a road, a roadmap for the coming generations. So it's only a matter of time. Our stuff is exportable. I have played in so many countries, even places that I didn't, I didn't think I would go when, when I started out my career. And the future is only brighter, man. All right, good structure we'll come into structure shortly but i just want to hear from uh, katana um you spoke about south africa nigeria and tanzania i want to start by answering a few questions from that tanzania what happened in tanzania we had the, the founding father nyerere insisting on all the music bands in tanzania to sing in kiswahili one number two all of them were supposed to take their lyrics to Baraza la Musique Tanzania for sanctification, so to say. They had to sing in proper Kiswahili and nothing vulgar. Number two, he ordered for all the, all the parastatals in the country to have music bands. So that laid a foundation. Listen to what they sing. Look, listen to the lyrics coming out of Tanzania. Nearly all of them can play around with Kiswahili lyrics. All right. That gives them an, an edge. Listen to uh, Nigeria. They're selling Afrobeat. The father of Afrobeat was Fela Kuti, Fela Nikolaho Kuti. They've ganged up. Each one has their own version of Afrobeat. That's what they're exporting to the world. You go down south, they have Kwaito. In Kenya, we had Benga, Chakacha. And, so we... We need to let it evolve to come up. When you listen to music from, uh, from Jamaica, you know, this is rather reggae. That gives you that identity. We need to have that identity, like a common thing that will sell our music out there. Yes, everybody is doing it. South as well as that is doing it. The mushrooms are doing it. I'm sure many other groups are saying uh, Calligraph is doing it. But what is our identity? If you listen to Congo, they have Ndombolo. They have Roomba. What's it from Kenya? That's one thing. The other thing is we need proper structures, like Bien said. The government needs to come in and set up those structures. Look at it this way. When President Moy came in and built Nyayo Stadium to international standards, what happened? All of a sudden, Kenya started ruling the athletics world. Yes, they were doing it prior to that, but in bits and pieces. But then the focus came onto the athletics when Yahoo Stadium was built and Kenya rules the world today. Do that to music and you see the spillover effect. We will export music and you will see the spillover effect onto the economy in Kenya. It's big, massive. It's possible. It can be done. So also another thing that even as we're talking about um, our Kenyan music, you've touched about our identity. A question begs, do we really know our identity? Do we know our heritage? Is our culture eroded? Yes, yes, sir. I, I mentioned we have a very twisted relationship with colonialism that is affecting how we interact with, our, with art and culture. And that needs to be fixed from the education system right from the beginning. Because right now also, we don't have a strong music presence. So art Culture is something that is in the music, in the language, in the, basically the arts do carry a lot of the culture. 
and it's not even in the education system. We're not being taught music in primary school. We're not being taught. In, there's not enough music teachers in fact in high schools. I, for one, didn't study music in, in high school because it was removed from the curriculum and replaced with a science. So, if we are messing our kids up from that level, it's going to be very difficult to turn them into highly cultural adults. It's going to be very difficult for us to become the people who we think we're meant to be. I think we need to do, we need to do a lot of unlearning and start learning afresh how to be who we are. And when, you, when we love ourselves, then it's going to, you know, the trickle-down effect is that we'll become lovable and more attractive to everybody else as well. If I may add something, with your permission, if you look at what Bianna said, another thing that would contribute to, towards Kenya exporting its music is about the uh, quota, airplay quotas. You mentioned Nigeria, they're playing, they're airing 90% of local music. You go to South Africa, it's 80%. Go to Tanzania, it's I think around there 80%. Come to Kenya, 40%. 60% is foreign music, 40% is local music. Look at that disparity. Because we have to love our own stuff to be able to tell somebody else, here's our stuff, we love it, and we're exporting it to your country because it's good. We don't have confidence in our own music. so. How do we expect to sell it to other people? I think for me, as I said before, it also works a lot with investment. I think that's really critical because it takes money to actually, you know, market this music outside. And you'll see a lot of South African music has, has gone worldwide even way before uh, Nigeria. And what's the issue there is because even, you know, the, the big record companies have been able to establish themselves there. So if we're able to see that we're able to have these investors uh, coming in, be it they can be local investors, if we're able to build that capacity and put those st proper structures in place. Nigeria also started exporting once the, the you know, the, the various labels, both local and international, uh, made their way in, in, in Nigeria. Tanzania as well, Demon got signed up, he blew up. I mean, there's a way that we are able to market these people, to, to market our artists, and uh, and it's it's also uh, you know I don't think anybody can do it. I mean it's something that you have to learn and maybe have a proper structure around it that can be able to push our music out there. And I think it's a good thing that now you know uh, yes maybe we can have those international people coming in, but even the local people are now getting much more experience in terms of uh, production and and just being able to uh, you know have those artists and repertoire and building on that, investing and pushing the music out there. I think you'll be able to see a difference in the coming year or two uh, when we have these people on board. Great. So I think this story of structure, structure has been coming. Uh, looks like in, the, in our industry, uh, maybe something that is missing. So far I'm hearing there's an underlying message that there's some structure missing. The music industry, of course, consists of companies, independent artists who earn uh, music from their new songs. We have people who also arrange live concerts, the guys who do the audio and video recordings, the guys who compose, and also their organizations and associations that represent music creators. So having said that, um, I think at the core of having this structure, people need to know that they have rights in their music. Because, uh, and from the rights, I think you'll be able to protect their creation. Um, so, 
I think this point, Angela, will need to help us here because quite a number of people still are not comfortable with this copyright question because it's very difficult. It's a complex thing, but it's a very important component in order to make money in this industry. So maybe you can just tell us in a layman's language, what is copyright? A long time ago, we used to be told it's just in layman, it's the right to copy. <laughs> but of course, in legal terms, you wouldn't really take that to the bank. Uh, basically, you would say it's the exclusive right or the right of a creator. Uh, over their works, or it can be literary or artistic works. So it means that, you know, you as as the person who has created the work, you have the right to actually say yes or no to the use of your works in simple terms. If you want your works to be reproduced, if you work, want your works to be distributed, you're the one who holds the key to that. So that's the copyright. That's why you say, I have copyright over this. And the beauty about copyright, as opposed to other intellectual property rights, uh, as the industrial property side, which is which is patents, trademarks, designs, all those have to be registered. But copyright is, an, you can say, it's an automatic right. As much as, as long as you fixated your work, that is the term they use. And fixated just means either putting it down in writing or recording it, putting it in a fixed form. Uh, then you have an automatic right to your copyright. So, yeah, in simple terms, I would say that's, that's what copyright it is. And, of course, it has, there's a copyright and there's the related rights because copyright is basically for the creator. And in terms of music, you'd say the composer, author, publisher, arranger, the creators of the music. And then we have the related rights, which are rights related to the copyright. And those are the ones that, you know, from the, for example, from the musical work, you'll be able to have the sound recording, which is the recording of the music where you can hear which now are the rights of the performers and the uh, record record producers. So copyright related rights, which is also termed as neighboring rights, uh, would what consists copyright uh, as a whole. And I think that's why in this industry we'll need maybe organizations or associations that will help us understand these things better. And I think that's why it's important to have a structure um, where such organizations can be able to uh, represent these rights on behalf of musicians. So maybe I can ask Katana because um, at this point your views, uh, I know you've also been involved in starting off uh, an organization. What, what are the benefits of us, of the industry being organized and having an association? Why, why, why do we need one even in this industry or many? Okay, the first answer is that the government always preferred prefers dealing with organizations, not individuals. So when there's a musician's organization, be it a union or an association, that it makes it easy for them to speak with one voice and then makes it easy to engage the government, as opposed to Katana going there today, Lee going there tomorrow, Angela going there the day after, Bien going, you see? So that's what is important. If I may come to matters copyright, it makes it easy for the collection and distribution of copyright because radio uh, broadcasting uh, uh, companies do not want, do not have the time, cannot deal with individuals directly. There are millions of musicians, of, for Kenya's sake, uh, we have about so many thousands of musicians. Imagine each one dealing with each individual radio station. That would be cumbersome. That's why we need the CMOs. That's why we need a musician's union to organize the musicians, etc., etc. So, uh, Bian, 
what's what's your experience in this industry um in fact here's one of the key questions of this webinar we're trying to answer is this kenyan music industry broke or is it disorganized i think we are it's a bit of both because for anything to be done for anything to push any talent money is required and if you look at nigeria there's all kinds of legal and illegal kinds of money being used to push their industry in fact mostly illegal and look at uh, tanzania everybody knows diamond is funded and it's not it's not bad to be funded man it's great because that's basically a venture capitalist taking a chance on something that he can't measure you know you, you really can't measure music or art like that but you can you have the numbers for streaming you can tell the profit is, and uh, that it could make in the future you could see some predictions of success and uh, or check trends so i think first of all we need to have that cash flow but second artists are poor themselves because they don't nourish their crafts and we need to be serious about it like how many artists have a voice coach how much rehearsals are artists putting in their craft because it, it it will show how much meticulousness are you putting behind even your shows on the stages you're performing on the sound engineers what value chains are you creating around yourselves to remove yourself from the disorganization that is the kind of music industry now and allow you to be able to focus on your craft as somebody else is managing you focus on your craft as other other structures are working for you around you and they're also cutting the cake with you to make sure that any at all at all times as an artist you're making art that's your job so we need to emancipate ourselves from thinking that hey if i have a manager or a big team i'm not going to make enough money that's poverty being wealthy as an artist is understanding that your value only goes up with age there is no day saudi soul will be more expensive than the mushrooms the mushrooms mean so much to kenyans and likewise other groups that are on the come up should understand that the value of an artist goes up with age the older you get as long as you're practicing and you're putting the ethos in your craft you're going to be successful and for a very long time kenya needs to have more katanas people who are of an older generation but are singing messages that you know they have seen more so they have more to say in their music and they're just becoming better with time uh, angela i think it's more of the disorganization if at all this i mean if the money is not you know uh, tricking down uh because you know i'm also the the vice chair of amp which is the kenya association of music producers which is the collecting uh, society and i would say i mean if you look at what the growth of what we have been seeing and the income uh for the last 10 years the graph was really growing like this and then at some point shoop, you know uh interference from many quarters and of course maybe as you know from the industry itself within and without um i think those are issues that need to be tackled uh if i look at the money itself you know i would i would just i just put up some numbers of some research we've been doing uh if you look at the radio advertising for example you know the collecting societies are supposed to collect from different revenue streams broadcasting is one of them and today i just talk about broadcasting alone uh you find that you know from 2017 to 2019 if i give just give you a rough Uh, indication of the figures we have the radio advertising figures from PwC entertainment and media outlook reports that stated that it was around 8b 8.7 billion shillings in terms of advertising broadcasting we have also figures from real, real analytics <clears throat> which actually gives the rate card value of the advertising 
remember as CMOs in some of the countries, for example, more developed, of course, uh, South Africa, or even some of <clears throat> the African countries that you know um, are embracing a percentage uh, rate because it just makes sense that you know if you're actually using music, for example, in radio, 70, 80% is music uh, as opposed to actually talking. You should, that's how you're running your station. You should be able to pay a percentage of the revenue that's coming in. So red card value uh, is was 46, um, 46 billion. Yeah, so imagine if it's a percentage of that red card value, which is what happens in the European countries. The CMOs in 2017 invoiced for broadcasting alone, 146 million shillings. How much did they receive? 1.5 million shillings. So what did, where did the other money go? They, they just, it wasn't paid. So where is, where, how come it's not being paid? What has to be done? If you compare that in 2017, SAMPRA, which is the South African society, collected 302 million from broadcasters. So Kenya, we are, we are, we are there somewhere. That's why we're saying sometimes it just needs that support from the government. Let's look at 2019 figures, which are the latest. Radio advertising PwC was 9 billion. The rate card, which is the adverts that are running, was a total of 67 billion. The CMOs had to uh, change their tariffs. I think the government had changed their tariffs. They only invoiced worth 33 million, down from 146 or 155 from even 2018. They only invoiced 33 million. But out of that 33.9 million, which is around 34 million, they only got 3.9 million. Yeah. And at this same year, SAMPRA, this is now the CMOs, all of them, SAMPRA, which is only the producers uh, here, got 502 million. So you have to understand why are we not able to, to, to get the best, I mean, we have the money, the money is there because but it's just not going, it has to go to the rights holders because I mean, you can't say that the broadcasting industry, for example, can run without, without music, especially on radio. So I think it's just, the money is just not going to the right people. It's just not, people are just taking advantage of the systems and the lack of systems thereof. And as collecting societies, and they keep on saying this, they have to be tougher. The government has to step in to assist, not by reducing tariffs, by putting in the best practice and ensuring that you know the right money, the money goes to where it's supposed to be. And there's a lot of noise, and I know we'll be discussing this a bit earlier, a bit later about the the collecting societies. But if you look behind, there's much more that can be done to ensure that that structure actually stands. Because if you look at the integrities of how the CMOs operate, and I know that because I was I was a CEO once of, of one of the societies, the Performance Rights Society. If you look at how it runs, it's actually more of the of the of the operations go into the public performance. And it's hard to believe, and I'm not justifying any incompetencies that are there right now in the societies, which there are. Uh, but if we're able to put proper structures, proper you know, leadership and be able to just Angle the way the societies were going, they were in a good place uh, a couple of years back without a lot of interference from the outside quarters. We will be able to 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 rip off from from this industry. So I'll come to Wanakatana because you're director of MCSK, and I'll, I'll have to put you on the spot because again we have been hearing this, like MCSK being a CMO, we have had the numbers from Angela. Broadcasters are paying or not paying, uh, but either way, what what is happening? Why is there no, uh, why are we always hearing that we're not getting money? Yet, from Angela's report, there's money in the industry, but we're all broke. What's happening? Is There's accusations that the leaders, they are eating this money. 
I'd, I'd have a, a, a private jet by now if that was the case. Anyway, here's the thing. There's two sides of this coin. There's ignorance, and with all due respect, there's ignorance, one, from music users, the people that use the music for commercial purposes, number one. Number two, likewise, some, there's ignorance among some of the members of the CMOs. And then, of course, like Angela said, there's a degree of incompetencies within the CMOs, all right? And uh, I want to say some of us are there to try and solve these problems. But here's the thing, when we talk about the entire music industry, about 10 years ago, 10 or eight years ago, the World Bank commissioned somebody to do a study of that and they said the music industry in Kenya is a multi-billion industry, number one. Number two, I think the whole country had it from our president in 2019 when he, he was proposing that the government comes in and helps the CMOs collect or get their dues from broadcasters and all. And he was talking about what, Angela? Two billion, wasn't it? Somewhere around two billion. He, he was saying that with the survey done by the ICT ministry, the CMOs could be collecting two billion shillings in a year. But look at it this way. We have close to 300, 350 radio stations collectively online and those that are not online. Last year alone, only about 80 radio stations. Those were the small, small radio stations, not the mainstream, main, mainstream broadcasters, small, small community. They complied and paid the CMOs. The rest haven't. And it's been like that for the last couple of years. And the license fees collected from the broadcasters is what keeps almost every CMO in any given country, besides now the advent of digital royalties, digital uh, royalties coming from, you know, digital use of music. Now, going back to the CMOs, there's one math that I always want to share. I'll talk about uh, MCSK. We have two distributions. We have the general distribution where each member, each member, I repeat, gets an equal amount of money. And this is what caused the Halua Balu in 2019 when we made the distribution, MCSK made a distribution of 2,530 for each member. If you multiply that by, by around 14,000, gives you almost 40 million thereabout. And each member got that amount. And then we have a scientific distribution, which is pegged on airplay only. TV, radio, and that's where now Saudi Soul are here. They were the highest honors just last year, wasn't it, Ben? Bien. They, they were the highest yes, we honors. Were. Yeah, yeah. From scientific royalties. Now, these two royalties distributions, this is where the fight is. When people get 2,530, one very prominent musician was complaining, my music is playing all over the radio but I got 2,530. Little did he ask and try to find out why did I get this? That was given to all members of MCSK. Katana got 2,530. And this comes from music from uh, what we call Triple P, 
music from Matatus, played in Matatus, at salons. We cannot monitor this music. We cannot. So we collect and distribute it to all the members. But then those members that work hard and get their music in rotation in radio stations, on TVs, and the most. And this is something that even the public doesn't know. Now, to take that a notch higher, for every single play, a, new, a song or a video generates 25 shillings. The government deducts immediately 5% withholding tax. Then camp and priest and MCSK collecting together take 30%. That leaves a musician or an artist with 16 shillings for every airplay. Do your math and see, if you want to earn just 16,000 shillings, your song or your music has to be aired 10,000 times. How many artists achieve that? So when the people, when people don't know, they think the CMOs are stealing, but you can have your music playing on one radio station three times a day and you say, my music is playing. Three times 16, what does that give you? So this, this intricate uh, mathematics and the, the, the figures that musicians don't know, that's where another problem comes in. And this is what we as CMOs, I want to say, have failed. We should have been sensitizing our members, giving them all this information so that people know that you have to work for your music. Let's go cross over to the biggest soft drink in the world. I won't mention the name. People know it. Imagine when you wake up, you have their advert in your face. You are on the streets. You have it's advertising. You have to get your music into rotation all over every day. We have three hundred plus radio stations. Try to be on two hundred radio stations playing every day. You're gonna earn a million plus. Otherwise, if your music is playing on one radio station and you're there listening to it every day, say my music is playing. I'm not earning. You won't earn. Simple facts. Wow, it, it appears this earning from royalties is um, a tough one. Uh, but maybe I can hear from Bien, um, since you mentioned that you've earned some royalties, at least there's a way you've, you're earning money, that's a revenue stream. Uh, how's your experience been with uh, Kenyan industry and giving royalties? Are you happy? What's, what's, what are your thoughts? I mean, you know, like, of course, I could be happier, man. It could be a million dollar check. But it's also the most I've ever gotten anyway, which means that we are moving in the right direction. Uh, I think more often than not, the reason why people don't even take Kenyan artists seriously is because we're always pushing in different like sides, especially on matters like uh, matters concerning MCSK and these collective societies. We've never really been able to agree. And uh, people will never, sorry, not people, but government and corporates and even like the general public will never take us seriously because we look like we are a house in disarray. But it's getting better and it's going to get better. Sorry, it's, it's better now and it's going to get better. However, I'm really with Angela and Katana that we need to start now pressing for the uh, ad revenue split that we're meant to be getting from broadcasters. Because uh, if Saudi Soul is every fifth song you're hearing on radio, you can only imagine what a percentage of the 8 billion would be for Saudi Soul. It would be life-changing money and uh, very many artists in first world countries are getting life-changing money from royalties. So let's build that for us here. Or if Saudi Soul wouldn't be the ones to get that uh, revenue, then Soul has to get it. 
so that I will never go back as an industry we constantly progress wow wow time is flying soon I, i i think we we would really need more time just to delve into it but there's some questions um that i want to go into that people are asking but just before then um i think it'll just be good um first to wrap up so far what what we've talked about that yes there's money in the industry yes we are not organized as an industry we can do more and in terms of our collecting management organizations it's clear that this is a huge challenge and i think a lot of information needs to be disseminated on how we can work together not to work in silos so that we can all grow this industry from existence survival and to success i think that's the pattern that we need to build hold each other's hands and take it there but quickly maybe uh, bian you can help me with this question right now in making money in the digital era how you how is out soul making money because a long time ago we used to sell cd's used to sell cassettes what's happening how, how, where are you getting your revenues from um okay um first of all i'll start by saying that this is the most amazing time to be a musician because so much power is given to you in the past the music industry had so many gatekeepers there was record labels there was uh, radio stations now there's no gatekeeper now you your own tv station your own radio station you can make as much noise as you want and if your product is good it can fly so that's the first thing uh streaming as we call it nowadays is the new way of uh, sorry is the is the new uh, method of how we make our money and the streaming age is the most beautiful age because artists have never made more money than they're making now for the entire um actually for the whole of last year uh a lot of the money that we survived on as a band was our streaming revenue from our old catalog even so from even from the al- earlier uh, from the albums we did earlier like moanzo and soul philosophia we still get streaming revenue from those uh, bodies of work which is to mean that the algorithm of streaming is a respecter of consistency and quality so marching artists out there right now is the most amazing time to put out as much content as you can out there and that's where all the money is also we were able to unlock a new revenue streams uh, revenue stream we are now doing a lot of virtual experiences actually we just viewed did a second viewing of um, our midnight train experience last night uh, on our youtube and it's becoming a very lucrative you know uh, venture uh, we we were able to the first one we, the first experience we did virtual experience we did cost us uh, $48,000 to produce but we were able to double that in the like um profits so we got $100,000 from that virtual experience alone and it's something that we're still trying to figure out but i believe that covid is business unusual to mean that even after covid people continue enjoying virtual experiences because we have now become accustomed to these things so virtual experiences is also another revenue stream and finally brands now more than ever we are reaching our consumers directly like we have no middleman as as i said earlier there's no tv station that puts me between so that puts a product that, that stands between a product and the consumers and so it just means that right now a lot of brands can plug into artists because they have a following so the digital space is ripe 
people who have taken a chance on themselves previously, people who have been consistent, people who have been working hard, and people who are making the most content. Content is the new oil. So if you're making content in this day and age, you're in good hands. Awesome, awesome. So just to, before we wrap up, I just want to get some read some questions. And there's one here, there's Dominic Mateka, and this is for all of you. Please let the panelists speak to the recent genre type of music by the title Gengetun in connection to creativity, morals, and the future of the music industry in Kenya. Uh, I can start with the, the youngest panelist, Bien. Uh, this may be the only place where I'm the youngest. I'm, uh, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, Gengetun is a beautiful genre of music. It is an expression that is birthed by struggle, that is birthed by uh, the environment that those children are in, and that is heavily also influenced by the behavior of their parents and society at large. So what are morals? What are morals when our politicians are so immoral and they're abusing each other on TV every day? Our kids are watching. Our kids are doing exactly what we are doing as adults. I believe that these kids need to be supported so they are able to, to live off, first of all, that craft. Because the number of jobs the has created, I don't think the government has those jobs anywhere else. And then they will grow up. Their expression will change. When you become an adult, you'll be, you'll, when you're a child, you do childlike things. Then we grow up and your message changes. The Jokali and the Nonini who are singing Kobafu, are different. They are now dads. They are now businessmen. So allow these kids to be kids. And let's just support them. Look at a perfect example of what Gengeton could morph into is Matata. Matata is a beautiful group. Their choreography is on lock. They're, and they're just doing Gengeton that is on a high level of sonic ability and visual ability. And they're also very well rehearsed. So that's the future of Gengeton. That's the Gengeton people should be looking at when they're making a decision on what they think Gengeton is. But for now, let's just support these kids. Less censorship, more support. I would say that, you know, I wouldn't have uh, my kids, you know, uh, listening to some of it. But the music, the tone, the tone itself, the genge tone, the music bit of it is beautiful. Uh, but when it comes to some of the lyrics, some of the lyrics, I would be hesitant to have my kids they're listening and dancing to it. I have a 14-year-old girl. I wouldn't want her to be exposed to such. I know it's a bit, you don't want your kids to grow in a shell, but you know, I want as much as possible for them to actually expose themselves more to things that are more of what I grew up with, you know, because I wasn't exposed to that either. And I think it helped me in a bit of how what I've become today. So I would I agree with Bien, but I also would like to just differ with him a bit and have that strike of the balance. But the music, I would agree with him totally. It's beautiful. It's, you know, it's exciting. It has a good swing to it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's for export for sure. And it's not about the morality for export. We know that there are many songs out there that also have some, some lyrics that you would think twice. And also I censor those uh, from my children. I don't have my children listening to it. So it's just a fine balance, uh, but the music itself is great. I think they've said it all, but what, what I want to add is you get a lot of crap coming from leaders in Kenya. Just, you just have to watch the nine o'clock, seven o'clock news. And that's what kids copy. 
That's what kids copy. Besides all that, where are the movies? Do we have leaders who are what we could call high morals? Do we have them? Where are they? I mean, you see them fighting in parliament. You see them fighting. What, how do you face your child at dinner time? And you're there, they're watching the news with your family. And they and this guy is going to sing about it in Genge. Daddy, Konini, when I say a 70 year old, I'm a 33 year old college. I mean, we've lost it, man. We've lost it, and we should not blame the kids. Parenting gone out of the window. Leadership, it's crap. I say this without fear. Not all of them. But 80% of the crap you're getting in any type of music, not just Genge. We had a musician, I won't mention his name, from Nyanza, being locked up the other day because of the lyrics. Why is everybody looking at Genge? In general, Genge is a beautiful genre. And you can separate the chap from, you know, everything else. But then everything boils down to the moral fabric of the entire country. Awesome. Thank you so much. Our time is up. I just wanted to hear your um, last final remarks to the industry. What is your desire? What are your parting shots? Well, the parting shot is that music is business. And people, the users of music should respect that and they should pay for the music. Um, the rights holders themselves, be it the artists, the producers, the composers, the authors, just keep on doing your stuff. Keep on investing in whatever way you're investing. It can be in money, it can be in talent. Uh, it can be just building that talent itself to just make more beautiful music and just build on that. And the rest can be, if you're a producer, invest in more music and be able to build that industry. And let's make this music work for Kenya. I, all I can say is, man, we have to, we have to keep on moving forward. Uh, we have come a long way and we still have a long way to go but we are better than we were yesterday so I'm grateful to be first of all there's there's no be there's no better joy in my heart than to see such forums taking place I'm also grateful for everyone who's listening through and let's just make the Kenyan music industry great the future the biggest artist in Africa in the future is a Kenyan artist so let's make that let's make a room for that Kenyan artist. Let's make a structure for that Kenyan artist. Yeah, yeah. I would say in a nutshell, music is a product. Like any product you see on the supermarket shelves, it should not be gotten for free. You can't walk into a supermarket and get any product off the shelves for free. You have to pay for it. And that's music. Music is a product like any other. One, the government should realize and recognize that. And then two, the public should support. Support, when you see talent, look, we are not endowed, all of us are not endowed with academic minds. Bien is a musician, lakini amesoma. Katana is a musician, amesoma. But our minds are there to do music. God created us to do music. So parents have stopped, stopped start to, have got to start looking at music as something that. They can, your child can come and live off music, live off music. Music is a product like any other, support it, give every support to a child who's growing up and a talent in music, 
don't start saying atakuwa mkora sababu ana rasta siona no no and then like the last word is kenya is going to be there just like we've conquered the athletics world kenya is going to conquer the music world in the near future i know we we're, we're getting there and with that folks thank you so much let's celebrate kenya let's celebrate our music let's continue to handhold each other let's organize ourselves we can no, no longer continue working in silos and the underlying message is men the business is there we are not organized there is money we are not organized and we need to work together so with that i want to again thank um meta for organizing this event thank you thank you so much meta team and the sponsors hivos for making this possible For more of these episodes you can subscribe to our podcast channel on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify or your favorite podcast platform of your choice. To stay in touch with us follow us on Twitter and Facebook at @weareMetaNBO or email us on nairobi@meta.co. Until next time, thanks for listening.